When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and thank you for listening to In That Number. I am your host, Ray Hunt. You can find me on Twitter at RayHunt84. My co-host, Kevin Milverton, at Moscow Mush. You can follow the show at Number Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and if you would like to drop us a line, send us an email to InThatNumberPodcast at gmail.com. On with the show. Joining us this week to talk over all the action from this afternoon's Newcastle game, we welcome back returning guest John Smith. We'll bring all the latest news following the midweek win at home to Norwich. We'll catch up with all our predictions and the returning Matt Quiz. We've got the Super 6 fantasy football and, and much more. So, yeah, before all that, I'll, um, I'll bring in the Moscow Mish again for the third time in seven days. All right, Kev, you giant prick. All right, Ray, you barrel of joy that you are. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, just um, back down to earth with another typical Saints performance then, Kev. Yeah, it's a reality check for sure. Um, I think we were all wondering whether this run of form is just for the teams below us or maybe for the teams around us as well. But, uh, yeah, we got the answer to that question today. You certainly did, yeah. But, um, yeah, a happy anniversary, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. I almost forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> there you go. Some, some, some positives to take. Um yeah, how did you spend your, your big, big day? 11 years? Since 11, just yesterday. 11 years, yeah. Uh, well, you know, where we've been so busy, obviously, this time of year. Why do we get married in December, by the way? That's just, yeah. Oh. But anyway, um, we went out to dinner and we had like a murder mystery evening. It was good fun. Um, something we did last year as well, which, which we won. Uh, so we thought we'd do it again this year and it just happened to fall on our anniversary. So we had a nice free course meal and we had a... So it's kind of like an interactive murder mystery evening set up for a company called Murder for Money, quite a local company in there. Yeah, they're very, very good. Um, and we, we, yeah, we enjoyed it. Good, nice meal. I'm guessing you did well because you both survived. So yep. <laughs> didn't get murdered. Although I haven't, I haven't watched the performance today. I wish I had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, how have you been anyway since since Thursday? Uh, just. <laughs> I mean, that feeling after the match today pretty much just sums up my week, but yeah. Um, I went to a birthday party yesterday, though. Um, that was fun, so I tried drunk a lot of alcohol then. Um, not feeling too bad today, so yeah. 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 Until now. <laughs> Until now. Yeah. 
Um, right, okay. Uh, should we bring in this week's guest? Uh, we welcome back John Smith. How are you, John? You got bad? Not bad. Uh, thanks. Thanks for bringing me back. Yeah, just sorry. It's you know you, you're coming back after <laughs> another loss. It's um, I think I tweeted earlier. It's the hope that kills you. You know. Yeah. We. I think it was five times this year we've we've been ahead, and five times we've either lost or drawn. And it, it's just so annoying. We just can't seem to go the whole ninety minutes. Yeah, it's, just, it's sickening, isn't it? It does make you feel really. I mean, I just as a full time Western Wales, I just thought, how did we not get a point out of this? It was just uh, time and time again. It, it just keeps happening. There are some positives to take from it. It was probably a pretty good, decent performance, I suppose. They were the better team. They were the better team. And again, like John said, it's the, it's the hope. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so in honour of today, John, I am actually drinking a can of John Smith's. Well done. Mm. Ah, I wish actually, I could find that where I am. I'm not actually drinking <laughs> it yet. I am now. Just oh, there you go. Okay. There's, a, there's a photo of me outside the John Smith Stadium at Huddersfield <laughs> pointing up because there's a massive John Smith sign there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well done. We like a pint of me every now and then. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've got a pint of... I've got my um, favourite um, Volkov IPA on the go here. Oh, that's oh one you've had before, isn't it, Kev? Yes, nice and strong. Mm, just what you need after today. I'm drinking, um, I'm drinking squash at this moment. Oh it's like, uh, like, Yeah, well, I, I looked at the bottle of port that we won at a quiz night on Friday and I was thinking I could have that. But the problem being is I tend to drink port in pints. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to work tomorrow, so... <laughs> yeah, maybe not a wise one then. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, we had you on last season and we discussed your your charity bike ride from Land's End to John O'Groats. Um, can you just like tell us how that went? Yeah, so um, I did, um, well, I intended to do a, a thousand mile bike ride for Scotty's Little Soldiers um, with Mark Traves, one of my fellow ride leaders that we, uh, we look after the Saints Foundation uh, Big Bike Challenge rides. Um, so yeah, it went okay to a degree. It didn't end the way that I wanted it to. Um, day one was a bit of a sort of foggy start down at Land's End. So we cycled from the youth hostel there to uh, to the Land's End point, and uh, we could hardly see about 100 yards in front of us. Um, and by the time that we left, it was beginning to sort of clear up. Did about 116 miles that day. Um, and that was tough going. Getting out of Cornwall, there's a lot, a hell of a lot of hills. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that. That was hard. That was hard work. Um, I mean, it was, to give you an example of just how much hard work it was, as we were going through Launceston, um, I, I got into this sort of town, I looked up, and there was a massive hill, absolute huge hill, with a castle on the top. And I thought, oh, God, I hope I don't have to go up that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I did. Uh, and we were that slow going up the hill. Google asked me if I enjoyed my visit to the castle. <laughs> um, yeah, so did that day. Day one ended a bit wet as well in the end because it started to rain. Day two was uh, nice and dry. We got woken up by cows in the field next to us. Um, that, that was a bit of a hard slog again. It wasn't as far. I think it was only about 9,800 miles. Um, but we did a lot on cycle paths, and the problem there was it was like riding on pneumatic drill for about 90 miles. Oh. It was all it was all gravel, 
Um, but lo- lovely, lovely scenery. So we got up to, um, where was that? Sanford. And I got met by my wife. And we were opposite the, oh, it was a cider factory. Other side of Bristol. I can't remember what it's called. Thatchers. Thatchers, yeah. Oh, so, Thatchers. Thatchers. so we're at the Thatchers cider uh, factory, so we had quite a few ciders that night. Yep, good. <laughs> day, day three, we uh, cycled over the Southern Bridge. I mean, that was, that was brilliant. Just, just going over the Southern Bridge was absolutely fantastic. Just the, the feel of, of cycling over a massive landmark like that. The thing is, once you get over the Southern Bridge, you're immediately met by hills. Mm. And we're, we're talking massive hills. They were horrendous. Um, some of them we had to get off because they just absolutely beat us. But we did that. We got up um, into a bit of Wales, then back into England. Um, we I managed to do about 47 mile an hour going downhill into Hereford. Wow. It was <laughs> pretty phenomenal. Can't even get my car uh, to do that. Yeah, to be honest, I was shitting myself because um, <laughs> as we were going around Ben's, I was, I was like on the wrong side of the road. Um, but yeah, that was good. So I, I used to live in Hereford many years ago, so that was nice to visit that and have a coffee there. And then from Hereford, we eventually made it to a place called Ledbury, which is in the middle of nowhere. And then the next day, uh, we set off, and it was a bit of a slow start. Mark was, was struggling a little bit um, coming out of Ledbury. But eventually, we made it through to Manchester, again, following some of the canals, but it was a bit of a wet and horrible day. Manchester, As it always is in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never nice. It's never nice in Manchester. It's always raining, a bit like Wales, to be, fun, mm. be fair. Um, yeah, then, so Manchester, the next day, got up bright and early, got on the bike, cycled out of the Keys, heading towards Salford, crossed um, a junction, and Mark got his back wheel caught in a tram line, and it went downhill from there. Oh. So, Mark and I, when, when we ride, we, we tend to ride about half an inch apart, one in front of the other. So we were sort of slipstream, if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it happened really quickly. Mark fell off of his bike and, and hit his head on the curb. And I had a choice of either um, cycling into Mark or going over his bike. So I chose his bike, which in the end, to be honest, probably wasn't the best idea. I should have just cycled into him. I would have, A, stopped quicker, and B, landed a lot safer. But I launched myself over his bike... Um, over my handlebars and sort of fell really awkwardly with my bike on top of me, which I'm, I'm actually quite happy about because it was quite an expensive bike. Hmm. Um, I, I got up, sort of dusted myself off a little bit. I was in a little bit of pain, but a little bit of blood on my leg, nothing too much to worry about. Dragged Mark to the um, side of the road as a tram line came along. A uh, tram line came along, I should say, not a tram line. <laughs> um, and then we, we had a chat for about 10, 15 minutes. Mark said, look, I can't go on. I went, okay, I'm going I'm to try. Uh, I, I feel okay. Just a little bit knocked out. So I cycled on and on. The pain was really beginning to hurt me in my arms. Um, but I, I made it up to Cumbria. Uh, that night, I was sat in a youth hostel. I had a couple of beers. And the pain was, was really, really beginning to hurt my, um, my left arm in particular. So the next morning, I got up early. I was supposed to have... Um, uh, an interview on BBC Solent, but it didn't happen, which is just as well, because I went out for a test ride and I couldn't pull the brakes on mm. the uh, the bike. What happened is um, I'd broken my arm and pulled the ligaments off both arms, um, so it was quite painful. Mm. I was only 20 miles away from um, Scotland, so it was 
it was just it was really stressful actually to uh, to get that far and think I can't go on. So I rang my wife and said, "What am I going to do?" We got on, decided to get on the train, got the train, and I um, I put out on Twitter um, because I mean the, the, the Saints fans were brilliant. They were all supporting me all along, all the time. Every every time I've been out cycling, even for the foundation or, or just with Scotties, the Saints fans have been absolutely phenomenal. Just all the support, and um, I got a lot of support from the people um, saying, "You know, don't worry about it. These things happen." Uh, Franny Benali tweeted me. Um, said, look, mate, I know where you, I know where you're coming from. Having done the, um, the thing the, that year, Iron Fran. The Iron Fran, yeah. You knew exactly what I was going through, which was nice. It was a really nice start to actually help me. But um, I think mentally, I was like, okay, there's nothing I can do. It's, I can't control this, so I can't beat myself up too much. It's happened. Let's Absolutely move on. Not, no. So by the time I got home that night, I pretty much planned when I was going to finish the ride or what I was going to do to finish the ride. Um, the next day, I went to A&E to, to get my arm looked at, and that's where they confirmed that I'd broken my, um, my arm and, and did the stuff that I did with ligaments. And then about three days later, I'm um, watching my son clean my bike because I couldn't, I couldn't clean him. A, I had a sling on, and B, my arms were still killing me. Um, and I suddenly started going down with a bit of pain. And I thought, shit, what the hell's going on here? And I, I'm, I'm at the top of my stairs, screaming in agony and I thought something's not quite right here this is a, this is more pain than I've ever had in my life so I went for a dump and I sweat I've never sweated so much in my life uh, so the family called um, a, called an ambulance and I got a blue light taxi into the Southampton General uh, cut a long story short they took me for a CT scan and uh, the, the nurse said look I've got a doctor here we need to talk to you I was thinking, and they were thinking that it was kidney stones uh, because I'd been a little bit dehydrated on the ride and the, uh, the electrolytes that I was taking, it could have formed like little crystals in the body and they thought it could have been that. But they said, um, you've basically ruptured your spleen. Ah. And they went, um, it's quite an impressive tear. It's the entire length of it. And I went, oh, that's great. I don't even know what a spleen does, to be fair. Uh, I've got, they reckon, about six months recovery from beginning of the accident to, to when I'll, I'll be probably fit again in terms of the spleen. Ouch. Yeah. Bit gutted, but hey-ho. But understandable, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, and you haven't been... Yeah. Uh, how long ago was this now? Um, September. Oh, OK. So, so um, yeah, it's been September, so it's like three months since. So I'm all right. I mean, I'm, I've just got back to the gym last week. Um, I've been out for a couple of bike rides. Um, what happens is because I, I haven't got that many red blood cells doing its job at the moment, I tend to get a little bit tired if I if I exert myself. Mm. And uh, drinking wine and beer doesn't help it either because the liver's doing the job of the spleen. Ah. But yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, these things happen. On the road to recovery. Um, and I understand that you're. Are you involved with the big bike ride next year? Yeah, so I'm going to be one of the ride leaders. So what's happening is there's two big bike rides happening. Um, the first one is on the 3rd of May, uh, and that's 78 miles from Brighton. So we're going to go up to the Amex and cycle on the Saturday, 3rd of May, down to St Mary's um, and watch the game against Brighton. That one, I'd, I'd like to see if we can get some more people uh, that have never ridden before, because it is only a one-dayer, so it's, it's easy enough. It's only 78 miles. 
Um, and I think it's certainly that is a lot of people are capable of doing that. And it'd be nice to uh, to get a lot of people riding. Um, the second one is from Marcus Lieber's birth town in Switzerland, a place called Bull. And that's happening on the 1st of June. I think it's a six-day ride. So I think it's the actual uh, ride starts on the 2nd of June. They fly out on the 1st. And they're going to ride um, from Bull through France, uh, through Paris, over to Calais, I think it is. Um, and then from Calais over to New Haven, I think it is, and then all the way down to Southampton. That's a proper tour de France, though, isn't it? That's a big one. It is. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I probably won't be riding that. I, I'll be helping out with some of the training rides, but I'll, I'll definitely be um, leading on the uh, the Brighton ride. But it's good. I think the, what the foundation does is absolutely brilliant. Um, what they do around our city and the wide range of people that they look after is, is phenomenal and it's a nice way to repay them you know yeah they do it they do it under the saints badge and they they suffer uh when saints suffer through support obviously if, if saints have had a bad game um people don't tend to support the foundation as much but it's a it's a brilliant brilliant charity and it's our charity it's a community. So there you go. That's what we're doing. So um, if anybody does want to sign up for any of the big bike rides, keep an eye open on the Saints website or the Saints Foundation uh, website. Um, contact the foundation through Twitter or email, um, and they'll gladly give you some more information. I think the next info nights are going to be in January time. Excellent. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing a uh, what do you call it? A training ride next Saturday, ten miles. If anybody's interested. So. Um, we're going to go from St. Mary's, and I think we're just going up to Itchen Valley, just for a little ride. Just so um, some of the people that have never actually ridden before can, can meet some of the ride leaders and have a chat and, and understand what the experience is all about. Yeah, that's a good idea. What time will that be? Uh, that's at 10 o'clock from St. Mary's next week. Um, you can sign up if you go to letsride.co.uk and um, search for the Saints Foundation. You'll find a ride there. Sign up there. Um, it's free to join. But it's, it's a good way of finding out about the ride. This is ITN In That Number News. Okay, so ITN News. Not a lot of news to go over since recording on Thursday. But yeah, just a few points that I want to bring up with both of you. Um, so we got out of the relegation zone. Well, straight back in again with Everton's win over Chelsea. And then, you know, there was a chance that we could, you know, push ourselves out of it again. But after today's result, we stay in there after another heartbreak. Um, it's almost as if we've had too much to cheer recently. So they've just like, you know, let's, let's not get carried away, Saints fans. Let's just stay where, we, stay where we belong. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget that we are most definitely in a relegation battle, no matter what the results are. I think we are, but... If you look at the table, I, I think anybody from seventh place downward is, is probably also in that relegation battle. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. There are points to be had, isn't there? E- you know, each week it can change. Yeah, I mean, it it only takes you know a, a good two three game run uh, with results going our way as well, uh, and the, the whole future is completely different. And I yeah. think that's the key thing. But the one thing that we've been consistently shit at is finishing ninety minutes. And I just want to talk. I mean. John, me and Kev talked about this in our midweek show, but I just want to know how you thought, thought about this. But uh, Redmond's form, and I, I posed the question that is he riding last season's high form? 
Uh, and with that in mind, like Ralph's, Ralph Hasenhutl commented in the week and said that we know, you know, of his qualities and we know he can do better. And apparently he feels he hasn't been brave enough. Um, so what, what are your opinions on Redmond right now? I think he's, he's a confidence player and I think he's one goal away from having a good confidence level. And I think if he scores a goal, he'll add an extra 10%. I, I don't think taking him off the, the pitch is the right thing to do. No, not, um, even for, um, not even for Buffal right now. Um, no, because I, I think Buffal, again, is not a 90-minute player. Um, impact. I, I, yeah, he's, he's a definite impact player. And I think he's, he's the sort of bloke that you need to bring on when things aren't going quite well or you need to change things up. Redmond and Buffal are similar-ish, um, I like to think, in terms of play. I think Buffal is, is technically a lot better, certainly when you look at the way that he, he handles that ball. Um, like he did against um, Watford last week or Norwich wasn't it when he dragged the ball around yeah but um, no I, I think Redmond just needs a goal get a goal and the confidence goes up yeah um, uh, last thing I wanted to point out was um, Nigel Pearson appointed Watford manager just until the end of the season um, but I mean you know, if he manages to do the, do the impossible and keep them up then I'm, you, you feel it's going to be a permanent basis but I can't help but feel that is a lost cause for him, and um, yeah, that's that's a done deal, surely. It would take a miracle, wouldn't it? But I mean, he did turn it around at Leicester, didn't he, when they were in the relegation zone? Yeah, they weren't quite deep in the relegation zone like they like Watford are now, though. Not really, they kept Saints up in the Championship all those years ago, didn't they? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I I think he's going to be taking Watford down. Yeah, it's not not a good appointment for him, but I guess you know he's coming back. He's coming back to the Premier League, so I'd probably be. say it was more that um, it's Watford taking him down rather than <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> right, have you got any more news, Kevin? Um, that's um, that's about it. Nothing really much has happened in the yeah. last few days. Well, I did hear a transfer rumor of um, Cedric going off to Inter. Uh, oh, really? Contract. Yeah. No, I didn't hear that. They, they, mm. didn't, they, didn't, they hardly played him when he was on loan, though, so I don't know why they'd want him. But, uh, yeah. It's just a rumour. You love a rumour. If it gets rid of Cedric, I'm now. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Letizier, and thank you for listening to In That Number. OK, so we go into this afternoon's game at Newcastle. 2-1 loss, really, really difficult one to take yet again. The goal, uh, the opening goal was scored by Danny Ings, of course, and Newcastle pegged them back. Goals from John Joe Shelby and Fernandez. Yeah, um, I'll just run through the 11. Uh, it was unchanged, but I'll go through it anyway. So it's McCarthy, Cedric, Stevens, Bednarik, Bertrand, Redmond, Hoiberg, Prousey, Gineppo, Ings and Long. John, were you happy with the unchanged side? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was probably the right side, to be fair. I think... Long, although he doesn't score, he, he never scores. Uh, and he, he is a bit of a Marmite player for a lot of fans because he never scores. But I do think that what he does do is he, he drags players away from uh, from the play. He opens up for someone else like Ings. So. Um, side, I think it's probably one of our better sides we've got at the moment. Yeah. Kevin, same for you. I mean, I'm guessing you're going to say maybe Cedric out. Um, yeah, but I mean, I can understand why he's kept him in. Um, 
consistency of the squad. I mean, we complained earlier on in the season that Ralph didn't know his best eleven. Seems now that he thinks he does. I agree. Yeah, um, and it was nice to see that they didn't go there and, and just play ultra defensive. It looked like it was set up with that four four two that worked against uh, Watford and Norwich. It was there to they, it was there to have a go at them. So that was that was pleasing, I suppose. Mm. Um, and the bench: uh, Gunn, Yoshida, Vestergaard. Adams, Romeu, Bufel and Oberfemi. So yeah, Vestergaard returns to the bench after after an illness. But yeah, um, Kev, do you want to start? Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was quite slow a game. I mean, it wasn't completely uneventful. Um, it wasn't like watching us play Everton or, or Watford before that. But um, yeah, we looked kind of relaxed and in control. And Newcastle were just happy to 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 sit deep and and let us do our thing. Um, Redmond had a couple of good chances early on. Yeah. Um, one of them feeding off a really poor cross from Willems, uh, setting up one on one with the keeper. But um, yeah, good save from Dubravka. Mm-hmm. And yeah, on set pieces um, we had a lot of. Uh, corners, I think, in the first half, um, and you know, we said before that we're, we're starting to look quite dangerous from set pieces. So it's a kind of breathing in of uh, expectation, but um, nothing really came of them. Um, I don't think Newcastle really offered much in in a way of um, attacks. I think when they when they did get through, I think that um, Sam Maximan, he's quite brightly, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, I mean, John, did you do you agree with Kevin's assessment there that we looked more threatening early on? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we're, at the moment, we're a team that can play a decent 45 minutes, but we can't play a 90. And so early on, with Redmond, Redmond did threaten them a couple of times. Um, and I think we dominated. I think it showed that the, the actual possession was something like 65% to Saints for the mm. first half. So... It shows performance-wise, taking away the 9 nil, our performance has actually increased. It's got a lot better. And I think that 9 nil was just a bit of a one-off. Bit of a one-off, yeah. Yeah, I, think, um, I hope so. <laughs> I think we're crap, but we're not that crap, you know. But I think, um, yeah, 45 minutes, first half, we're going for it. We're happy. We, we're taking the match to them. Yeah, and I've got the impression that Newcastle were trying to... Well, I mean, trying to contain and frustrate. I mean, they played five at the back at home against Southampton. I mean, I don't know if that's just a, a confidence thing or it's just something. I mean, it's something that they always do. They just set up that way and then they just, you know, feed off the scraps and hopefully they've got the quality to do it. Well, I mean, it worked, didn't it? So, um, Kevin, yeah, how, how did you feel about Gineppo? Uh A bit disappointing, really. A bit quiet. Um, a bit quiet, yeah. I mean, he had to a couple of chances to do his little um, classic run um, right up the, the right wing and try and uh, dance around the defender or two or, or um, put it back for the striker but um, yeah, nothing really came from that at all Yeah, I mean Just, uh, I, I felt he was a little bit quiet, isolated and actually I was listening to a bit of the, the coverage on Radio Solent and Dave Merriton was saying that he just looks a little bit isolated and he needs to do a little bit more. He needs to roam. He needs to come inside and try and make things happen for himself. Um, mm. And it, it wasn't working for him. And at one point, I think Redmond and him swapped sides to try and get some more out of him. But again, yeah. 
You know, he just didn't have the well, the whole team didn't have the quality to break them down consistently enough. So yeah, that, I mean, it's really confusing for me um, why it took until the 73rd minute to bring him off for Buffon. I think that should have um, happened earlier. Same, same problems that we've had all season, isn't it? Is it yes, Ralph's in-game management. Yeah, but I mean, we, we were seeing his praises for his in-game management against Norwich and against Watford, but against mm-hmm. the um, quote-unquote bigger teams, <laughs> including Newcastle and that, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to want to, to, to do it at all. But yeah, Gineppo, I mean, he had a, a very poor cross at the end of the first half. Red, Redmond does really well to, to steal the ball. Um, gives it to Gineppo and just, just massively overhit hits it, just yeah, nowhere near rings. And actually I um I know I've in the last episode I've said about how I've I was I've been unimpressed with Redmond lately, but uh, John I think for me personally I think Redmond had a good good game. I think yeah, I one think of his better games personally. Mm. I think he did. Um again it just it just comes down to he just needs to get that goal. And that one on one, that chance, that was what that was the one that he needed to take. Yeah, I think I think this is the problem. If you look at it, I think the reason why it hurts so much is we should have won that game. You know, we had the ability to win it, but we did our usual of throwing it away. But if Redmond, if Redmond had got that goal, it'd be a completely different conversation we'd be having now. You think we go on and win the game if Redmond scores that? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I think mean, confidence-wise, it lifts the entire team. We're sorted. Um, second half, um, they made a change. They actually comes on for Clark. Um, and they started brighter straight away. I, that's the way I saw it anyway. It looked like they changed their formation a little bit and went to a 3-4-3. Three, three. It looked like the wing-backs were playing a little bit higher and um, Almiron was, was you know, playing a little bit more of a forward role. And then uh, the goal, do you think it, it was against the run of play? Not really. I think, though, um, that you're right, they did start the second half um, on the front foot. But um, I think there was just a period like just starting just before that um, where we, it looked like we were picking up, and um, so that that goal uh, kind of yeah kick started getting back us back into the game. So it looked anyway. It's not a typical but Saints goal though, is it? No. Just a simple route one over the top, boom. Yeah, Stevens. I mean that that ball was just unbelievable. It looks like one of the balls that um, Trent Alexander Arnold gets all the praise for these days. Just um, you know. Really, really precise long ball um, over the defence. Ings made uh, a, a cracking run in. Um, beats out, is it uh, Dummett? Um, yeah, Dummett, yeah. Who's the only defender there? And yeah, one arm with the keeper. Um, nice, cool, calm strike across the goal, and yeah, we're 1 0 up away. 11th of the season now. Something fucking firing. 5 and 5. That's the first time he's done that in his career. I think he's after Bardi's record now. And the yeah. difference is that, that goal. Was it wasn't a one-yard tapping? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and I love that celebration too. That was brilliant. But yeah, as I say, it's simple as it gets. Um, and yeah, as I say, what you, like Kev, you said about the, the composed finish. But when you're knocking them in like he is, you know, he made it look easy. Mm. Um, John, how did you think we played in the second half after that goal? Nervous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, just completely. Heads down, nervous. I think um, to be fair, you talked about the Gineppo a minute ago. I saw. I think it was in the second half. I saw him track back and, and do a nice little bit of defending. Um, I, I think that's the problem. We just don't know how to stay in the lead, and so that the nerves get the better of people, and we let them come on to us. We we tend to drop back. Um, yeah, 
that little boost that we got from the goal lasted all of about um, five minutes, and then um, Newcastle really looked like they were in the ascendancy. It's always the way, though, isn't it? It is always the way. There is never, ever a comfortable time where Saints are 1-0 up, keeping possession, creating more chances, and then take a, you know, take a 2-0 lead. It just doesn't happen, apart from that first half against Norwich. But then, of course, what happened in the second half? Like John says, we just played nervous. Mm. But if you look at the overall performance, right, we had 55% possession, so we controlled the game more than they did. We had 19 shots against their 12. But the statistic for me is only four shots were on target. Yeah. You know, know, 12 corners against their three. So, again, it shows that we we were leading and bottling the game. Um, And and we were in their top third. Yeah, but this also proves that we just don't have anything to break teams down. We just don't have enough quality in the middle of the park. There's not enough there. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. You take Ings out of it, and what have we got? We've got nothing. And you, you're rely- like I've said, we've said so many times before, we are relying on an individual piece of skill or a set piece. Yeah. And you can't go on winning football games like that. Well, I think we've got championship quality players in, in the middle of the park and at the back four. Back four, I definitely agree with you. I think um, I think we need yeah. someone in the middle of the park that is strong. Hoiberg doesn't do it for me these days. Um, I don't think he's having a great season at all. No, I mean, I, I watched him against Norwich, and, and to be honest, the amount of times that he looked surprised when the ball, the ball went past him. Um, he's a nice bloke, but he, he, he's not a boss. You need someone to boss it. You need a leader, and that's what we're missing, is someone who's, who can push the team up the park, distribute the ball to um, to the wings or, or to someone right in the middle. Yeah. We're missing that. Definitely, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that one. Um, Do you Kev, think? Sorry, Kev. Just, that's, that's a that's a role that he could perform. Who's that? Stuart Armstrong. Don't know. I don't. I don't see enough of Armstrong to to truly define what he can and can't do for Saints. I mean, he's he's a bit part player for me. Um, I mean, my my problem with Arm well, not a problem. It's not his fault. I just feel Armstrong's been used in different posi- in different positions that aren't his his usual. And when mm. he comes on, we're in, you know, we're we're losing already. He can't influence the game from where he's playing. So I, I don't I don't know if he can play that role, Kev. But that's what he was brought in for. He was um, brought in to replace Stephen Davis as that you know, calm headed central midfielder. He's more attacking though, isn't he? Uh, yeah, but we could we could probably do with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then Kev. Um, the the Shelby goal, Christ, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, all I guess you could say it all happened from from Andy Carroll coming on and it changed the game. But actually, I don't think it was. I don't want to take anything away from Newcastle, but he didn't even look up when he crossed that ball. He just hoofed it as a. It was more of a hit and hope, and it just so happened that Shelby made that. You think he just got lucky? I think he did. Yeah. I mean, I love Andy Carroll. I've said to you in in, in midweek. I think he's a player that everybody needs. He's just that that nuisance in the box. But mm. the way he, I mean, he had his back to the goal, and he just turned round and hooped the ball in. And we, you know, what we're like defending things like that, we just can't do it. And all credit to Shelby because he was—he just ghosted in, and you know, a powerful header, one-one, fifth of the season, and you can't see Saints coming back from that. I think that's the key thing, though. You, is I mean, I said at the beginning of the, the match that Shelby was going to score against us. You did actually. You tweeted it, didn't you? Yeah. And the reason for that is he knows where the goal is. Yeah. 
you know. He knows wherever he is on that pitch, he knows where to aim the ball. And 90% of the time, he's, he's lucky he's going to get it in. Um, but having said that, Buffal comes on for Gineppo, and looking at the game on a whole, I think we still look more likely to score, because we still played. Yeah. And that's, that was different. Yeah, that- we had that chance, like just off the off the back of that goal at one one, where um, uh, Ward Prowse um, sends in a corner, and it's just almost identical to the goal that uh, Bertrand scored against Norwich, where um, Long takes a rather ambitious header, and it's just down to um, Bertrand to direct it in, but um, yeah, managed to head it over. Yeah, um, and John, we're at one one. And this is where a lot of people have said this is where the game was lost. Should we have shut up shop there and played for a point, or should, did, did we need to go out and you know, try for the win? No, we should have gone for the win. I, I'm not a fan of us shutting up shop because... We can't you do it. <laughs> no, we can't do it. You're relying on a decent back four, you know, and we just don't have that. We don't have the quality in the back half of the, the pitch to be able to shut up shop. So you wouldn't have been happy if they'd have taken off, say... Um, Hoiberg and put on Yoshida or, or Vestergaard rather um, I'd have been happy to take it off Hoiberg because I don't rate him at the moment <laughs> uh, Cedric I'd have preferred to have taken off earlier um, but no, no replacement no. No. I think that's the problem who are you going to replace him with who you going to put on there so I think the only way you're going to win a game is, is by scoring more goals than the other team simple as that yeah, yeah My, a, a positive, right. a positive um, attitude towards it yeah, my my gripe with this is that you can um, either bring on Romeo and um, just try and, and stamp down and dig in and uh, get over the line and, and uh, play for the point, or um, stick on um, Adams or Oberfemi or both if you want to go all in and um, try and try and get that second goal, but. My problem is that yeah. he did neither. Yeah. yeah. So just purely by indecision, that he's let this one slip, and that's what angers me more than anything. I think if we had set out to defend, and you know conceded um, a, um, a late goal, trying to defend it, I would have kind of understood it. Like, okay, at least there was a plan. At least he was trying something. Or if he'd gone balls out and got caught off um, at the back. I'd understand that as well, but yeah. To do oh. nothing about it, yeah. But I guess, I mean, if you if you look at the half for an example of that, Kev, I guess if you look at it, Saints were playing well enough, there was no need to change anything. Newcastle weren't, so they had to change something. And I suppose Ralph thought, don't change what's working, we can win this game. But if we've just conceded a goal, it's clearly not but, working, is but it? But we were still playing well, and we were still creating chances. Well, I mean, about a half an hour from time, it was, at that point, Newcastle um, were playing better. And so something has to change. And it did change for Newcastle. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it should have changed for us. <laughs> Which brings us on to the, to the goal, John. Um, I, not, not directly from a corner, but it may as well have been. I mean, do you blame McCarthy for this one? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. I, I'm not... A, I think our goalkeepers this season haven't been particularly great, but again, it's half of that's to do with the service up in front of them. Um, don't know, really don't know, but I knew it was coming. Yeah, just, you know that was an annoying thing. Just knew that they were going to score. And you, Kev? I mean, well, I mean, it does have yeah, Saints written all over it, doesn't it? But 
I mean, do we have to concede in such an embarrassing way? I think I think Maka is at fault on this one. I think um, he is, yeah. Yeah, you should be keeping that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't well, that powerful a shot. I think the problem that I've got with it is that the corner comes in, and, and as usual, Saints do the zonal marking, which, by the way, it needs to stop. Um, and it goes out to Longstaff, and they're not quick enough to him. He's got acres of space to pull that shot off. So yeah. you can blame McCarthy, but you need to blame everybody else that's pressing the ball as well. There's a, there's a whole list of errors there. And the shot comes in. And where was? how did Fernandez get get free of that, by the way? There's just, um, yeah, no one... Stop I think everyone, everyone assumed that McCarthy had it, I suppose. But you can't. You can't assume. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. You can't assume he's offside. You know, you can't, you can't assume that, um, that the referee's going to call a foul or whatever. Um, but, yeah, we do. Yeah. And it's just... It, it's a travesty, really, because it was totally undeserved. I thought we controlled the game, and it was just, you know, same old Saints. Just blowing points from the lead, conceding from corners. It's just, it's pathetic. It's, and it, it makes me sick, because Newcastle were not worth three points at all. Newcastle would have been happy with a point, and they've come yeah. away with all three. Yeah, I'd have been happy with a point at the beginning, but it's gutting yeah. that we lost all three. Yeah, the, the, key, the key thing now for Saints is just looking at that table, you know, two wins... And, and right results somewhere else, and it is a different story. So we need to mentally get get back into that um, different mindset. Don't have a negative mindset. Have a positive one. Go go out like Ings. Go out and go for the goal. Chase every ball down, and just don't let it drag us down. Because you do that, we're definitely going to get re- relegated. But I I think I think we we're in with six or seven other teams at the moment. Yeah, that's I suppose that is the positive to take from it. And we're not playing bad football, are we? Whereas some of them down there are still. Um, yeah, and there's a and there's a lot of other clubs with a lot worse form than us at the moment. And you know harder December fixtures as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, let's just say not for the first time this season. It's an absolute sickener, isn't it? Um, actually, Kev, I spoke to our guest from midweek. We had the Newcastle fan Tom Heiner on, and he says yeah. we were good for a point. Big Andy came on and caused chaos, and he said that we should have shut up shop at 1-1. And as yeah. you said, you said about Newcastle made the subs to change the game, and we didn't. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, you and Tom seem to be on the same page. Yeah, again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, the, the players they brought on, Carroll and Longstaff, um, both got an assist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I played instrumental parts in, in those goals. And, yeah, Kieran... Uh, Clark for sure and looks looks a little bit more formidable in defence yeah. isn't that the key thing though to our season it is, it's our subs yeah. quite often not this season we've picked the wrong ones yeah oh yeah that's well, the big thing that we've, we've focused on this season well, especially you Kevin yeah I mean what's Shay Adams going to do in three fucking minutes at the end of the match <laughs> yeah you know, um, what's that going to change? I just, you know, it angers me. Yeah, I it's think like the only thing with that is that he's just thinking, well, fucking now Ings is fucked. He can't play on anymore because he's doing, he's because he's doing so much. And that, I don't think it's, I, as I say, I don't think it's more. Let's bring Adams on and see what he can do. I think it's more we need to get Ings off. Well, yeah, both. But I mean, yeah, go on, uh, go on, Shay, uh, go out and cause some problems for the next thirty minutes. Just mm. get this one over the line distract him for a bit. Yeah. What's your thoughts on Adams? I think he needs a goal. I think he needs an extended run of the team again. 
Yeah. But then again, when he has been in the team, he hasn't offered anything to suggest that he deserves his place over Obafemi or Long. So, so you, you've got a player who last year was scoring for fun. In the championship, yeah. In the championship. Remember, you know, it's he who scores the most goals in the championship are the ones that get promoted. So, you know, you're going to get a lot of goal scorers. But is he is he a Premier League striker? Could he be? I think he could be. Yeah. I just don't think it's working. And I, well, I mean, how many games did he have before he got taken out of the team? And then he, he got taken out of the team for a rest, and we didn't see him for like four weeks. He's been having, and he's been put in positions to fail now. He's not, like you said, he's not going to do anything with three minutes to go. Yeah. And then, of course, people are going to look at him saying, well, he's a flop. But if he had scored, he would have been a saviour and probably starting against West Ham. But as it is, he won't be. He'll be on the bench again, and the same thing will happen again. He is just not being put in positions to, to succeed. No. I mean, he had a, um, a decent game against Bumpy, but I think, um, yeah, throughout those... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, throughout those seven or eight games that he played... Um, he hit just about every part of the woodwork and he was linking up well in pre-season. I know the opposition wasn't incredible, but um, he was doing a job and score, scoring early. He scored in the final of match I watched pre-season. He, he was looking looking pretty tasty. he came on against Watford as well in the second half and I thought he looked, okay, apart from the first 30 seconds when he fell on his ass, he, <laughs> looked, he looked quite bright and he looked like he, were, you know, he wanted to prove himself. But he didn't have much to do. You know, we were 2-1 up and we were just... Um, you know, starting to park the bus. Well, yeah, he was up front on his own at that point, wasn't he? So mm. again, in a situation where he's not going to score goals. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one. When you need wins, you need to be playing your your, your strikers that are working. And I'm not mm. saying that, that Long's, you know, scoring goals, but he's definitely working hard. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's, you know. He's stuck in. And I, I think the way that Ralph saw the team at the end of the game... He actually stated at the end of the game to, to Radio Solent that this was the best away performance of the season. That, that, that says to me, same team. You know, just yeah. it as it is. I, I think, yeah, I, I think we're all a little bit pissed off and a bit negative because of the loss. But he's right. We, we have had a better performance. So we're, we're one goal away from winning a game. Yeah. So and I, I think the, the big thing is people like Adams... Like um, like Redmond, that is confidence. They just need to have that great game where they come off and uh, they build up their confidence. And it's just not happening at the moment. But what do you do? Take him off and then deny them, uh, yeah. deny the team that. What do you do? Yeah, it's it's, it's really really tricky mm. to be a manager. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I just really really struggle to get over results like this. And I think John, that you absolutely nailed it. Because I, I couldn't figure out why these sort of, this sort of thing gets to me so much and it just kind of like ruins the rest of my weekend and probably my, next, my week as well, to be honest. Um, but what you said in your tweet was that, you know, it's the hope that kills you. That yeah. is it. I mean, that, that Leicester game, you, you're 6-0, 5-0 down at halftime, whatever it is, it's kind of laughable. You just think, oh, fucking hell, here we go again. But this, yeah. in some ways it hurts more because you, you know you deserve to win. And it's just, yeah, like you said, the hope. It just it just kills you. But you know, it, it's it's not the end of the season yet. Um, we are well, fifteenth place. Uh, sorry, fifteen points alongside Villa. I'd love to be fifteenth place. <laughs> so like, you know, we've got fifteen points. In fact, we're we're only one point off fifteenth place. Yeah. You know, we we could results go our way. We could end up in thirteenth place next week. I love it. I love the positivity. So it's, it is a case of 
let's wait and see where we are towards March. I really worry then because yeah. at the moment, at the moment, from Arsenal all the way down to Watford, any one of those teams could drop down. You've got Norwich and Watford which are struggling. They're going to find they're going to yeah. find it harder, but. Arsenal, Brighton, Burnley, Everton, Bournemouth, West Ham, Villa and Saints. They're all in the same mix. Yeah, well, Bournemouth being pulled back down, having a shocking run of form at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, if we'd have won today, the South Coast would have been Saints again, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, you mentioned it earlier, John, about the possession. So 54% possession in, in total, 19 shots to their 12. I mean, we're pretty much head on, on, on all the stats apart from the one that matters. Um but I'm really, really curious to hear your man of the matches. So I'm going to start with our guest, John. Who, who should you give man of the match to? Don't say Andy Carroll. <laughs> Shall we? No, um, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's got to be Ings because he, he gave us that hope. So for me, it's He gave us that hope that was taken away from us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kevin? Um, I think for, for balance, I'm going to go with who excited me and... Um, again, I never thought I'd find myself saying this um, at all, rather than several times oh, in the you're season. Not, but you're not. Jack yeah. Stevens. You're going yeah. Stevens. Yeah. Christ, I thought you could say Cedric then. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Oh wow. Um, okay. Yeah. No, he just had, he had a very positive contribution. Um, he's getting blocks in. Um, yeah, that that wonderful uh, cross to Ings. Just the precision of it, and um, yeah, I think for the um, for the first goal, I think um, Stevens should get to the ball before Shelby does. Um, but that wasn't enough for me not to give it to him. Um, I had like four players written down that were in contention. I had James Ward-Prowse, but I thought he played well in the middle of the park. Yeah, that's true. No, no, you know, cutting edge, but I thought he was he was good again. Ings, you know, because he does what he does. As John said, he gave us the hope in the first place. I had Stevens written down, so I thought he, you know, he didn't really do a whole lot wrong. But I'm going to give it to Redmond. Okay. Just because, I mean, last season he was our best player, right? And I, I this is my, this is me. I, I've got high standards for him, and this season I don't think he's lived up to them for me personally. Um, no. and maybe I have been a little bit too harsh on him, but this game I thought he was, he was, you know, I thought he was the best player. You know, he had those, they had that one on one that John said if he had scored, probably would have changed the game. Um, he had that, that volley straight afterwards. Um, but yeah, um, I just think overall, it was better. And it was difficult for me to pick one because I just I was so sick at the end of the game. I just thought, I don't even care who gets man of the match now. <laughs> because of that, I'm, yeah, I'm going to give it to Nathan Redden. That's fair enough. So yeah, as you say, back to 18th. Or we stay, remain 18th for 15 points. So we march on to West Ham. Saturday the 14th of December is a 5.30 kick-off, the late kick-off is live on Sky. Um, John, what, what sort of game can we expect here? Another Newcastle match, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> um, I, I think, again, it's, it's a winnable game. We beat them and, and we leapfrog them. Um, West, West Ham have, have not had the best season either, to be fair. I think um, the last win was against Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. mm. Um, so they're sliding down as well, I suppose, if you look at their results. So we could potentially do it. Do you know what I hope that doesn't happen here? I hope that they don't like look at the two previous home games and think, right, we've got to, you know, we can just let ourselves off a little bit here. 
we've got a little bit of breathing room. We've got more margin for error because ultimately, I mean, aside from their shock win over Chelsea, mm. they are still they're on a skid, but mm. they do play Arsenal at home tomorrow, so they're probably going to be favourites, aren't they? Because um, Arsenal are just awful at the moment. Um, but we need to take all three points again, and there's, yes. we've got to be targeting three points and don't don't go for a point. Well, if you think about it, this is the sort of game, we talked about Adams earlier, this is the sort of game, right, that you put your best team out, that you, you do everything you can to win. If you're going to play Adams, go and put him on against a team against like Man City or someone like that, or Liverpool, where you know you're not going to win. You've got to be pragmatic. There's no way we can beat teams like Liverpool or City. So give them a run out, let them have 90 minutes. But for this type of game here against West Ham, it's a winnable game. Make sure you play your best team. Yeah. Simple. And you, Kevin? Um, if you ask me what squad I'd go for, um, I think go with exactly the same squad that we played today. Um, um, I don't see one. I mean, yeah, I'm always looking to drop Cedric. If he doesn't want to do that, that's up to him, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, I'm just worried. So, you know, West Ham could quite easily go out and smash Arsenal 3-0 tomorrow. And then they'd come in with uh, buckets of confidence that, well, we could beat them. Be these idiots. Yeah. Just smash 9-0, yeah. Exactly. I mean, we were at this game last season, weren't we, Kevin? Oh, God, yeah. They outplayed that us completely. And that's Felipe Anderson's show, wasn't it? it was, um, yeah, I mean, we saw it today. And um, we saw against uh, Everton. I mean, we were 1-0 up at half-time, weren't we? And we, yeah, we, we were, yeah. didn't have a fucking clue how, how we were. Clearly the worst team. Anderson just uh, making mincemeat out of Jan Valery. And, and Matt Target as well, I believe. I think Matt Target was there, yeah. and I thought he was absolutely awful in that game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One of the key players for us in this game is going to be Ward Prowse. West Ham, a little bit like us, have conceded a lot of goals um, from set pieces. And so I, I think get it, get someone falling over in front of the box and let um, Ward Prowse have a go. Mm. Yeah, could be a good point. Yeah, predictions. I will start with the guests, John. What are you going for? I'm going to be positive and say 1-0. 1-0. I'll take it. And Kevin? I'm going to be positive and say a 1-0 draw. <laughs> That's positive, is it? <laughs> exactly what I said last week. I'm going to say it again. Um, I'm going to be very positive in that in that case. I'm going to go 2-1 home win. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a 2-1 home win. I just think they are going to play on that. I mean, let's face it. Since the Arsenal game, we've played well. Um, and the two home wins and today we played well didn't get it I think the fans are going to be so important next Saturday yeah. so yeah I'm going to go and again the first goal is going to be so crucial I think if West Ham score first then we don't win this game yeah, yeah. so yeah I'm going to say 2-1 right ok uh, John are you all set for the quiz yep God. ok so first question and I'm Matt LeGuiz which manager handed Matt Lassissier his first England cap on the 9th of March, 1994? God, England, 94. Ah, that would be Terry Venables. It was. Yeah, it was. I applied for his job when he uh, quit England. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote back to the FA asking if I could have his job. <laughs> did they reply? Yeah. They did? Oh, yeah. Brilliant. I, did, I didn't get the job. Obviously not, no. Did not get an interview? <laughs> not even an interview, the bastard. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how rude, yeah. 
Um, right, question number two. What shirt number does Josh Sims wear for Saint? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, oh, what's he wear? Josh Sims. I'm going to say 21. I'm not, I don't think that's right. No, it was 39. <laughs> Ryan Bertrand's 21, isn't he? Was he? Yeah. Uh, okay, so last season, uh, who knocked Saints out of the League Cup? Oh, I watched this match as well. It was the Premier League side, wasn't it? Oh, uh, I guess say Leicester. It was it? Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to name the clubs, and you're going to name the player. Uh, Bologna, Southampton, Hull, Middlesbrough, Sampdoria. Not Ken Moncao, is it? It's not. It was Gaston Ramirez. Oh, yeah, cool, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, our final question. You've got one shot, uh, but three opportunities to get. So, um, we'll start with the first clue. Uh, I was born in February 1973 and played in over 400 appearances in total in my career for just two clubs and appeared over 40 times for my national side. That's for three points. 73, 73, 73. Can I have another clue? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, really? two points. Played his youth career for SK Bran before signing for them professionally in 1993. I've got a, I've got a name in my head. <laughs> but yeah, go, go for this, go for the one point. Okay. Uh, signed for Saints in 1996 and played 357 times, scoring just twice. Six wow. foot three. Yeah. <laughs> Six foot three, That's Norwegian centre half, retired for Saints in 2008 after sustaining an injury he could not return from. Klaus Lundsson. Yeah. Yeah, that second clue was tough, wasn't it? That, I mean, if you don't know SK Brand, then you're not going to know it's in Norway. So I thought if you knew that, you're going to get it easy. So yeah, it was a tough one. But the, the name, I, I thought Klaus after the first, but yeah, um, yeah it's Klaus. I, I, I thought that's who it was. Okay, uh, three questions. Uh, would you rather wear a Pompey shirt every day for five years or sleep in a haunted house for ten? Haunted house. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> haunted house. A, a ghost is someone I've not made friends with yet, that's all. <laughs> what if it's the ghost of uh, former Pompey players? And <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd haunt them. <laughs> Good answer. Um, all right. So, would you rather be twice the height of Yannick Vestergaard or half the height of Cedric? Half the height of Cedric? No, Kevin <laughs> just changed it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to make fun of Cedric. It's normally Crouch and Messi, but Kev's put Vestergaard and Cedric on it. I <laughs> see. Same difference. If, really, if right. it if it was Messi, right? If I was half the height of Messi, I'd basically be Warwick Davis. So I'd be I'd be a shade Ewok. Um, <laughs> I, I'd have to I'd have to go for half half the height definitely. I think that's overtaking, Kev. I think a lot of people, a lot more people would be half the height now. Okay, um, yeah, we do love a good fan chant. Um, what's your favourite uh, chant that you've heard at St Mary's? Um, do you know what? I don't know. I think my my favourite one has got to be a one the Saints. It's yeah, I, I was thinking that the other day actually when I was there, and that's all you could hear. And it was like this is a classic one, isn't it? It's just everybody knows it. The whole the whole stadium sings it, and it's just mm. us. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't care what Spurs say. That is ours. I yeah. think it it can be. I mean, they use a cliche. It can be the twelfth man. You know, yeah. you get it right. You get the atmosphere going, and if because as you say, the whole crowd knows it. You sing that for ninety minutes. Right, that is that is the twelfth man, and that's the sort of support that we need as a as a team at the moment. Is the the team? 
behind it, or rather supporters behind us, because the Norwich match, was it, no, the Watford match, we went 1-0 up about 70-something odd minutes. Yeah. Up to that point, you didn't hear that song at all. It was from the point onwards that we scored that first goal, we started to sing. Yeah. We need so, to Saturday. It should be the other way around, shouldn't it? It should be the crowds, um, you know, jeering on the, the, the players. Like, the, um, St James's today, which you could have had a fucking pin drop. It's no, no, because, no, because it was shit. There's nothing I'd, to sing I'd about, say, but still. Hmm. Like, the, often, the one, the away, our away fans, uh, you can't shut them up. Yeah, yeah, St James's, they're so high up. Yeah, mm. well, I, I, I could hear um, Get Your Father's Gun out. Yeah. On the, <laughs> oh, God. On that That's your favourite, right? right? From the away fans. So, yeah, I think, I think the key thing is, is our way, way more voice than the home fans, you know? If you, if you go and have a look at the away match, it's always the Saints fans singing loud and proud. It's, yeah, it's yeah. when we're at home, that's what we don't get. I think it's keeping up appearances, isn't it? Just go away, yeah. you want to show everybody all your support and how good we are. And When you're at home, you're just like, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, yeah, I, suppose. I think that is about it, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah. Um, just yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, wish you all the best for health. Um, hope that you manage to get on a bike sometime yeah. soon. But Cheers. yes, take it easy, mate. Yeah. <laughs> take, take it easy on the beer as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Christmas coming up. It's um, no, it's been nice to talk to you guys again. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing at least Ray out on a bike. Um, yeah. Point soon. Probably tomorrow morning, actually, on my cycle to work. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. and I'll, um, I'd, Kev, I doubt if I'll be able to have a beer with you, but Ray, when we're at St Mary's, we'll all try and track each other down. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't get to, I didn't get to meet you, did I, last time um, in the week? But um, actually, on that, Kevin is back for the Crystal Palace game, so if you're going to that game, it'd be yeah. lovely to meet up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I bought the sun ticket the other day as well for that, so yeah, oh, definitely excellent. for that. We should do that like pre pre oh, drinks or, or um post drinks, whatever. We'll we'll probably be doing both care, won't we? <laughs> oh yes, definitely. And um yeah, Mrs Mrs. Mush and my brother in law, um who who is twice the height of Frita Crouch. <laughs> uh will basically come along as well. Cool. Oh brilliant. Loads more Russian phrases then, Kev. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah, so it could be good to see that. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have to meet out for a drink. Cool. Look forward to meeting you guys anyway. Yeah, me too. Right. Anyway, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Cheers, guys. Okay, into the extra time segment. I'll start off as usual with the predictions. So, I went for a 2-0 Newcastle win and you went for a 1-1 so the only thing that made me feel slightly better after that result was the fact that I picked up two more points on you, leaving the running scores 36 to 30. So I'm edging ever closer. Quite a good week for me. Uh, at Super Six, we had round 26 was won by Colin Carter with 14. I actually finished second with 12, so that was good. Uh, and overall leader still Tony Randall on 226. And fantasy football, Kevin. That point in the game week where it's like almost impossible to call uh, who our weekly winners are because the the leagues haven't quite been updated yet. Um, so yeah, same top three really: um, Stephen Culloch, uh, Lucy Heiner, and actually John Bailey's uh, now in, in third place. Um, but yeah, everyone seems to be scoring almost exactly fifty points, apart from me. <laughs> 
Oh, that's not good. Like 54. Oh, right. Oh, that's okay. I think, um, courtesy of um, Jamie Vardy scoring two, and mm. you have as captain. Yeah. That's, that's good for you. Yeah, um, I have Daniel James on the bench this week because they were playing Man City. <laughs> oh, man. No chance of winning against Man City, isn't it? Exactly. And then, of course, Daniel James gets five points and Sterling gets two. What can you do? Oh, my God. I've got, I'm having a, a shiter. Um, I think. None of my players have played. Tamori hasn't played. Perez hasn't played. Mane hasn't played. Um, Romeo hasn't played. And um, if Target's coming in off the bench, he scores minus one point this week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think you might actually jump above me, mate. Oh, wow. Uh, again, another good week. I, I'm quite, I am quite surprised that you've got Romeo in the team still, given that he's not featured lately. I thought you would have transferred him out. I really want your to team name, isn't it? Partly, but um, <laughs> just because there are more urgent uh, questions in the, in the squad. But I couldn't believe that the amount of rotations. Like, um, yeah, Perez has been selected pretty much every time, every match so far this season. But uh, and yeah, Mane the same. But yeah, we're getting to that point in the season where there's going to be some horrific rotation. It's going to affect you all up. Just yeah. you wait. Yeah, all the Christmas fixtures and stuff like that is going to take effect. Um, Kevin, mm-hmm. are you ready for your geography quiz? Okay. Yeah? Okay, so, drum roll. No, don't. Um, name the pro football clubs in Gloucestershire. In Gloucestershire? Mm-hmm. So they're one of the um, 92 league clubs, right? Yep, from the top four divisions, name the two. Oh, Jesus, I just said there was two. Name okay. the two clubs in Gloucestershire. <laughs> um, Forest Green Rovers. Yes. Okay. And Cheltenham Town. Yes. Really? Well yeah. Okay. Well done. You cheating? No. Okay. Um, what about Nottinghamshire? Go. Um, Mansfield County Bath. Forest. Yeah, um, that's it. <laughs> that's it yeah. <laughs> Three. Yeah. Uh, Man- Mansfield caught me out, but yeah. Once again, well done. Oh, well, that, 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 that's it, yeah? Yeah, that's all I've done for you this week. Okay, no, no, I was, I was enjoying that. <laughs> okay. Um, and I don't know how much you, you love the um, Euro where am I? Yeah. And, yep, still... Still in Euro. <laughs> UK still member of the European Union. So, um, where am I? In the Balkans. You're in Moscow. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so yeah, this club is in the Balkans. Is it Olympiakos? No. Okay, yeah, population 1.24 million or 1.67 metro. Galatasaray? No. Okay. Um, stadium 22,995, of which 18,495 is seated. That's not going to help me. Fenerbahce? No. Okay, um, nicknames. Cervenite, which means the Reds, or Aramitsite which means the army men. Is this kind of like some like Yugoslav? Um, I mean, it's a Balkan team. It's not, it's not a Yugoslav team. Mm. It's not going to be something like Albania or something like that, because I'm not going to have a clue. <laughs> um, I'm going to need more, I think. Uh, Stal Bucharest, let's just go there. Okay, that's not, that's not a bad guess, actually. But um, mm. uh, No. Um, okay, yeah, the stadium they play at is the um, Bulgarian Army Stadium, Bulgarska Armia. 
Stadion mm. Bukhtar. Okay, so we are looking at a Bulgarian football team. Mm-hmm. Sofia. Mm-hmm. Which one? <laughs> so it's the... C- is it CSKA? Yes, yeah, CSKA is the fit. Mate, that is really, really difficult. Really? <laughs> yes! <Okay. laughs> well, I'll give, you Olymp- I'll give you Olympique Marseille the other week. That's a massive club. That is a big club, yeah, but I, I messed up on that one. That was awful. Mm, that, that's okay. tough. That's really tough. That is tough. I'll try and make it easier next time. Yeah, like... Man United! <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes. Okay, but there's a, yeah, they're not in Hampshire. Oh, just right. <laughs> they're not in the league anymore. <laughs> um, do you have a Russian phrase for me this week? Do. Okay, so yeah, this week's Russian phrase is Zgorovsinoi Svadby. Zgorovsinoi Svadby. Okay, I'll give, you, I'll give that one more time. Zgorovsinoi Svadby. Zgorovsinoi Svadby. Hey, that's good. And that means uh, happy anniversary. Ah, why is all the, like, the easy ones, like, really, really, the easy English ones really, really difficult in Russian? I think the... Happy birthday, happy anniversary, like, even goodbye, it's just like, what? Paka? No, goodbye as in... Ah, do svidania. No, sorry, uh, hello. Oh, yeah, and that's a horrific one. Zdravstvite. Exactly, it's really difficult. Uh, I just say it to Russians, and they're just like, oh, what's the problem? Yeah. Uh, well, you've got, you've got V, F, T, yeah. V, like, together. That just doesn't exist in, that doesn't exist in English. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. But, yeah, you try getting uh, a Russian to say clothes, and they can't. Clothes. Actually, do you know, I had a, a, an incident yesterday at work where we got a, um, a Hungarian girl that works with us and she couldn't say colouring. Mm. She was talking about a colouring book and I couldn't understand what she was saying. It was like, colouring. I was like, what? <laughs> mm. Col- oh, you mean colouring? She was actually doing the actions with her hands and I was like, oh, colouring book. Oh, yeah, you, you try speaking Hungarian, though. Oh, God, no, I've tried. She's, she's given me a load of text to read. Mm. Fucking hell, it's just like... It's like my cat has sat on my keypad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit monotone. It's a bit like Finnish. So. Yeah, that's there even harder. Yeah. Finnish is really, really difficult. And Norwegian, apparently. Good luck, Tim. Oh, yeah. yeah good luck with Norwegian. <laughs> anyway, um, until next week. Up the Saints. Up the Bastard Saints. Ooh, up the Bastard Saints. Yeah, the Bastard <laughs>